This is Lonesome Roads behind the wheel and behind the microphone here at the Todd Studer Studios on South 4th Street uh, in Council Bluffs, right across from Canesville Collectibles. And today I have a special guest, uh, Patrick Stibbs, who does a show with Dave Wingard on uh, Boomer Radio called The Box Officer. You've been doing that for, I mean, The Box Officer for decades oh, 30 now. 35 years wow 30 35 or 36 years yeah yeah so you're kind of a movie buff a little bit say. yeah <laughs> so we're going to talk about uh, car movies and you know th- the more i got to thinking about this subject the more it mushroomed out of control and there's just <laughs> so many of them that uh i've watched over the years and some of them are you know genuine car movies some of them are more like chase scenes right uh and i've got i had you come up with your top 10 favorites so why don't we uh, start with those yeah we'll get into it in fact i had i was telling you off mic the so i, I was trying to think of a, you know i've seen so many car movies right i mean it's like trying to pick 10 is very tough so i get my 10 right and i had called my daughter nora and i said hey i'll bring some dinner over when i'm heading back to omaha and she, i told her what i was doing here coming to meet you and talk about uh First, I said I'm talking about uh, uh, his his shows about cars, and she goes, "Oh God, you're not going to talk about your Pontiac Astra, are you?" Which I said, "No." I said, "Which is, by the way, a Chevy Vega for you people that don't know." Yeah. And um, I go, "No, this is about this is about uh, movies and cars and movies." She goes, "Oh, so I'm sure American Graffiti's on your list." I'm like, "Damn, I forgot about American Graffiti. How did I forget about that one?" So, so I got to at least give a give a nod to American Graffiti because that's a great film too. But. Well, and you know that would be right in my top list. Oh yeah, because there's an Edsel. In there's it. an Edsel in it. That's yeah. right. There is an Edsel. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of talk in uh, the uh, blogs for the Edsel Owners Club and all the Edsel owners that that Edsel has not been found since that movie was. No, made. are you kidding? Yeah, they don't know where it ended up. Who sold it? They found a couple that are close, but the interior was the wrong color. Really? Yeah. Uh, Edsel Pacer, uh, four-door hardtop, but I think it was a hardtop. Anyway, but yeah, there is some dispute as to whether that car was ever found. Well, it probably had to be a crew member, wasn't it, that just decided to haul off on it? Or did, or did, they, did they know that it was sold at one time to somebody? Or They th- they think it was, but again, the, the there were some vagarities between the uh, uh, color of the interior Right, the one that was actually in the movie. Oh my gosh! And they can't find it. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, graffiti definitely ranks up there with one of them. But I, I, I'm going to start my list. And by the way, these are not in any. I've got ten here. They're not in any particular order, like you know, first to last. As far, I just they're just sort of random. Okay. Because you know, it was hard to put these, in my opinion, these ten movies, in you know, order of this is the best and this isn't. So they're just just kind of at random. But I'm going to start with one film that not a lot of people maybe have seen, but it's one of my favorites. It's a film called Tulane Blacktop. Oh. And uh, it was a, they called this a true American road movie. Uh, It was directed by a guy named Monty Hellman and uh, written by a guy named Rudy Wurlitzer. And this movie starred songwriter James Taylor, um, the Beach Boys drummer Dennis Wilson, a uh, character actor named Warren Oates, and also an actress by the name of Lori Bird. So this movie came out in 19, I think it was 71, 1971. And it's one of those, you, you watch, have you seen the film, Jim? Oh, yeah. Okay. 
So the it's very hard to describe the plot in this because there's yeah. really not much of one. Yeah. I mean, there is and there isn't, but and 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 so these two street racers, the driver, which is James Taylor, and the mechanic, that's their that's the names of the characters. Driver and mechanic, <laughs> they go on the road in this very highly modified uh, primer gray uh, 55 Chevy 150 two-door sedan drag car, <laughs> and they just go from town to town. And they challenge local residents to impromptu drag races. Um, by the way, blacktop, for those of you that don't know, means an asphalt road. And as they drive east on Route 66, they pick up the girl. That's the character of the girl, who's a hitchhiker. And then uh, she gets in their car. And then, you know, the driver kind of has a crush on the girl, but she sleeps with the mechanic, Dennis Wilson. Uh, which any woman who ever met Dennis did, by the way. And uh, <laughs> so the driver goes out drinking one night in Mexico, and then they encounter another car driver named GTO. That's played by Warren Oates. And uh, then all of a sudden, now you've got this this hostility going between the two parties, and I'm not going to give anything away, but uh, this movie is amazingly good. It's amazingly good for not having much, like I said, much of a plot, um, much of a dialogue, or much of dialogue. Yeah, exactly. Very, very little dialogue. But um, I got to tell you, th- this there are so many publications when it came out that said this is the nomination for the movie of the year. Uh, it didn't do very well at the box office. Did okay, but it just over the last fifty years has just de- developed this cult following, hmm. and uh, it really is. And and by the way, the soundtrack is also very good. Um, it doesn't rely heavily on music. There was never a soundtrack album released, but the film has the the soundtrack has just a ton of different genres: rock, folk, blues, country, bluegrass, R and B. Ironically enough, James Taylor and Dennis Wilson, who were both singers in real life, didn't do any music for the film. <laughs> they didn't do any contribution to music. But there's some pretty cool songs in it: "Moonlight Drive" by The Doors, "Maybelline" by John Hammond. Um, me and Bobby McGee by uh, Chris Christopherson, who, by the way, wrote that song. And um, so, again, I can't, I can't uh, talk enough about Tulane Blacktop. It's one of my all-time favorites. Oh, and I love the ending. I won't do a spoiler alert. No, don't do a spoiler alert. The ending is fantastic. The ending is amazing. The, the, <laughs> the ending is amazing. And you can uh, only I mean, do that on film. <laughs> yes, you're exactly right. You can only do that one on film. So that, that one's going to start off my list of... Uh, of top 10 car movies. Uh, now, the ne- next up on my list is, uh, I've seen this film, oh my gosh, uh, probably 20 times. It's a film called Tucker, The Man and His Dream. And it's based on a true story um, of um, inventor Preston Tucker, who was played by Jeff Bridges in this movie. And Tucker was the very first successful auto design, or he had the first auto design partnership in the 1930s. Um, and this car, holy cow, amazingly beautiful car. And, um, all kinds of safety innovation, all kinds of stuff in this thing. Yeah. However, uh, he, uh, the, he's sort of like derailed by the big auto manufacturers who, uh, you know, put a stop on him and, and and claimed him doing a Ponzi scheme. Yep. Yep. He was accused of all kinds of things. You know, um, he had um, production problems, accusations of stock fraud. He had to go to court to defend to defend his dream and his honesty and his reputation. I mean, they just tried to 
squelch this guy, and in a way they did. Oh yeah. Um, the movie was directed, by the way, by Francis Ford Coppola. So it's it's you know just an amazing movie. Um, it's actually I'm trying to think best. Uh, Martin Landau co-starred in it. Right. Um, he actually got uh, the Academy Award for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, so he won oh. for that. He also won a Golden Globe for it. And uh, so again, this this Preston Tucker, he just uh, you know his his dream uh, all along. Uh, if you ever read any stories about this guy, and I think there's a couple autobiog or a couple biographies about him, he just wanted to build a better car for Americans after World War II. That was his thing. Yeah. He's like, I, I, I'm not happy with the cars that are out now. I want to build a better car for the American consumer after the war, make it affordable and, um, and safe. And safe. And yeah, the Ford and the rest of those honchos weren't having any of this. No. And uh, so George Lucas Cope uh, actually produced this with Coppola, who, by the way, they did <laughs> American Graffiti together. Right. Uh, they actually read about his story and they really found a lot of meaning in, in Tucker's dream. And um, so, again, can, can't recommend this one enough. Uh, Tucker, A Man and His Dream, yeah. starring uh, Jeff Bridges. Which is, again, why I think the Edsel deserves a treatment because of the story involved with the production of that car. and the Exactly. It, you know, any movie, it doesn't matter what the subject matter is, it's all about the story. It's all about, you know, even if you don't know much about the subject matter. You know, I mean, when I went and saw the movie Tucker, I didn't know who the heck Preston Tucker was. Um, movie looked pretty good. I like Jeff Bridges. Hold uh, that tiger. Hold that tiger. Yeah, hold that tiger. And um, so I just kept thinking, well, I'm going to go check this out. And again, that the story of this thing, I mean, it just sucks you in. It just... You know, and you just feel for this guy. You just feel for this guy who's just trying to do nothing but good, mm -hmm. and he's an honorable guy, and he's a reputable guy, and he just gets crushed by people that are not reputable yeah. and not honorable. Yeah, big three and politicians. Involved. Exactly, the big three and and the politicians. Yeah. Anyway, so that's my that's the second one on my list is Tucker, a man in his dream. I'll go back to Tulane Blacktop. Did you know that that '55 Chevy is the one that? Uh, they drove in uh, the one that, uh, what's his name? Harrison Ford drove in American Graffiti. Really? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah. I'll be darned. I mean, see, that, that I'm, just, I'm fascinated a lot by, uh, you know, by movie trivia. And, and um, um, again, stories behind how things get manufactured or made or whatever. Um, like you said, the story of the Etzel. You know, you read about that, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, if this if this won't make a good movie, you know." Um, there was a movie also, kind of about a car. I should mention it um, if I can think of the name. Uh, it was a true story about the guy that invented the delayed window washer. Oh, Greg yes. Greg uh, uh, Kinnear. Yes, yes. Greg Kinnear starred in this, and the title is escaping me right now. But yeah, I me too. But I yeah I I I think I went to the theater to see that one. i think we did the premiere when we were at yeah, sweet 98 okay. okay and uh it's a true story about this this engine this inventor that invented the delayed washer and totally got screwed out of uh um the Credit invention the invention yeah uh, just i mean and, and again had to go to court and fight and fight and spend his whole life doing that 
And again, you know, who would who would think that the subject matter of a delayed window washer could make a movie would would be a great movie? But by gosh, it is. It's a it's a great movie. Anyway, so that, so Tucker was number two. So the next one I have is a very very interesting, strange movie, but it's wonderful. It's called Death Proof, and this was directed by Quentin Tarantino. Huh. And I think in the early uh, early two thousands, I guess two thousand seven. So 2007, did you see this? No, I have not seen this. So, you know, he was a, uh, Quentin Tarantino is still a big fan of the old Grindhouse movies that came out in the 70s. And, you know, you'd go to the drive-in movie theater to sneak into these things, you know, and they were chock full of, uh, you know, naked women and uh, and uh, action and violence. violence. And, yeah. and uh, but um, anyway, so he did sort of an homage to the Grindhouse movies. And um, he made this movie called Death Proof. And it stars Kurt Russell. And Kurt Russell plays a stuntman. Stuntman Mike is the name of the character in Death Proof. And he's a professional body double. And he likes to take unsuspecting women for deadly drives in his free time. That's kind of, he gets off on that. And, um, And he's doctored his car for maximum impact. And he purposely causes wrecks. And, you know, it's almost kind of like a horror film. You know, the bodies start to pile up. He walks away with barely a scratch because, again, he's a stuntman and, and he knows how to cause injury to other people but not himself. He's certifiably insane. There's no doubt about it. And But what happens is, is he kind of gets in over his head because he targets a tough group of female friends, including a real-life stuntwoman named Zoe, um, who, by the way, served as Uma Thurman's double in Kill Bill. She oh. plays herself in this movie. So he all of a sudden he meets his match here. <laughs> and again, I don't want to give anything away other than Death Proof is a fantastic movie. Huh. Um, I mean, just absolutely amazing. Um, Rosario Dawson co-starred in it. Rose McGowan was in it. Um, and it's, it's uh, in fact, the press kit, for the movie said two separate sets of voluptuous women are stalked at different times by a scarred stuntman who uses his death-proof cars to execute his murderous plans. That's what the press kit to the movie says. <laughs> Pretty much sums it up. I don't think they drove a Chevy Vega in that movie, no, uh, Jim. No, they couldn't. No. He couldn't seem to get enough power in that Vega to uh, cause any. But yeah, so death-proof. Did you ever? But you got to check it out, man. It, it, it's it, Kurt Russell was fantastic in this. Like I said, very sadistic, um, insane murderer, and uh, which you know you don't see him play that kind of role very often. <clears throat> the closest thing he came to a villain was when he played Snake Plissken in Escape from New York, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Snake Plissken, I thought you were dead. You and everybody else. Uh, I mean, so uh, Death Proof number three. Uh, watch that film. Rent it. See it on whatever you watch it on. I probably have a Betamax copy of it somewhere. I don't know. <laughs> and um, so that's that's my number three on that. Um, number four, a film I just watched again not too long ago, is The Road Warrior. And this was a 1981 film. You, you may have seen the new movie Mad Max that came out a few years ago, um, also directed uh, by George Miller. But this was his first the Road Warrior was a sequel. It was a 1981 sequel to his film Mad Max, the original film, which came out in 1979 in Australia. And 
this movie takes place in an you know, apocalyptic Australian wasteland, basically. And uh, Mel Gibson plays this cynical drifter uh, who agrees to help a small, gasoline-rich community escape a horde of bandits. Because it's all about, you know, gasoline is, is the commodity that people are killing for, right? Right. And, uh, and this is, you talk about a car movie and a road movie. I mean, this, this is, holy yeah. cow, nonstop cars from, from start to finish. But you like this more than Mad Max then? The I did. One? I did. I thought Mad Max had an interesting story, um, but I thought this film had, I, I thought it was quick, faster paced. More action. Oh. Uh, I just, yeah. This is a this is a very rare instance where I I like the sequel more than I like the original. Hmm. Godfather Two might be another example of that. I love the Godfather, but I adored Godfather Two. Thought it was amazing, <clears throat> and uh, and I actually like I said I I've seen the original Mad Max, which I think is a really good film, but Road Warrior just has action. It, it, it's a it's a good story, but it's just nonstop action from start to finish. Very well directed by George Miller. Um, can't can't say enough about Road Warrior. And it's a Ford Falcon that Mad Max drives. Ford around. Falcon, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Ford Falcon. So anyway, so number five on my list uh, is interesting because um, Nicolas Cage fans may know about a movie he did called Gone in sixty Seconds, which came out in, t- in the year two thousand. Well, that was a remake. So the original Gone in sixty Seconds. Well, uh, came out in 1974, and the director's name was H.B. Halicki, okay? And the plot of this movie uh, was about, okay, there's a South American drug lord, and he pays a guy to steal 48 cars for him. He's got to steal 48 cars. This guy's getting all this money. He's got to steal 48 cars. All but one of these is in the bag. Thereby, the police precipitate in a desperate car chase against Pace and his uh, Eleanor, across Southern California. Again, uh, a a movie that's kind of, I don't want to say it's thin on plot, but not the most genius plot in the world. It's got enough action to make up for it. Well, exactly. And I mean, and action it does have because uh, H.P. Halicki was actually a stuntman in real life as well. Oh, that's right. And and he also was in the film. And um, I mean, just absolutely fantastic from start to finish, the action, the pacing. So well done, and, and not a big budget movie either. I mean, it, kind of a lower budget film, and um, but again, it, it and it and it did well at the box office. It actually did pretty well, and um, in fact, it did so well. Again, they greenlit a sequel, you know, for for Nicolas Cage to be in in the year two thousand. But um, I got to tell you, for for car movies, uh, did you ever see the original? Yes. Oh yeah. A yeah. Times. Fantastic. Now, what's the one? That it was similar, and it was out about the same time they had Ron Howard in it. Eat My Dust. That's right. <laughs> Eat My Dust, one of Ron Howard's first movies. Oh, yeah. In fact, I think he might have done that even before American Graffiti, didn't he? Or around, well, maybe maybe not. Maybe it was a, a little later. Yeah, I think, think it was graffiti probably just was, after. Cause, maybe just after, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because Graffiti was, what, 73? Yeah. And then... Eat My Dust maybe was 75 or so. Yeah, it was probably just after that. I mean, he still wasn't a big, huge star yet. Was he still called Ronnie Howard at that point? <laughs> no, I think by that time he was Ron. Oh. Uh, no I remember seeing Eat My Dust. and Again, another car film. 
when you think about it. And I remember seeing that one at the 76th and West Dodge Drive-In, which was over there on <laughs> 76th and Dodge. Back when, yeah, that was the end of town. It was the end of town. Absolutely it was. <laughs> Let's go all the way out west to the 76th and West Dodge Drive-In. Oh, well, it's going to take forever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. But, yeah, so, and I, and I got to tell you, the remake... I saw the remake Gone in 60 Seconds with Nicolas Cage, and it was very good, too. I mean, it was very, very well done. Uh, but, you know, there's just something about and Of course, it had a huge budget, right? Yeah. The first movie didn't have a huge budget. So, to me, I'm a big fan of movies that don't have big budgets, but they're, they get creative and they do a very good job. You know, the movie Halloween comes to mind. John Carpenter's, you know, fantastic 1978 film where he had, like, $200,000 to make a movie. And he makes this, you know, just this incredible movie, right? And um, I've always been more impressed by directors that can do that, that can take very little money and just make a kick-butt film. And Gone in 60 Seconds, the original one, you know, did not have a big budget. Most of it probably went to wrecking cars. <laughs> and uh, But it was a, a very, very good film. Now, number six on my list, again, this is a film that uh, when it first came out, didn't do a didn't do a whole bunch, but um, it's a fantastic movie, and the movie is called Vanishing Point. And Vanishing Point starred a guy named Barry Newman, who was a very popular character actor in the late '60s, early '70s. He had a television show called Petricelli, and I, he played like a lawyer, a liberal kind of lawyer, um, you know. Um, so Barry Newman was was quite a popular actor, and then mostly. You know, mostly television actor. But then this film came along called Vanishing Point, and um, his agent sent him the script and said, you know, I, I think you'd really like this movie. And again, not being a huge name in the theatrical world, I, get, I, th I don't think he thought he was going to get the role, <clears throat> although he was a big TV star, you know, with the Petrocelli show. But evidently, the director, what happened was, is the red director recognized Newman right away from the TV show and said, oh, my God, you'll, you'll be perfect for this. So he got the role. And um, this one is kind of hard to describe. And I, there, and I love it because there's two main characters in the movie. There's Barry Newman, you know, who's the driver in Vanishing Point. And then there's a disc jockey uh, played by Cleavon Little, <laughs> who played the black sheriff in uh, Blazing Saddles. Excuse me while I whip this out. <laughs> So Cleavon Little plays the DJ. So <clears throat> in this movie, Barry Newman plays a guy named Kowalski. All right, he's a Vietnam War hero. Um, he's become kind of like a pill addicted driver for hire. People can hire him. He, he's kind of down on his luck. He's addicted. He'll he'll do anything for money. So he's hired to transport a car from Colorado to California. Okay, so. <clears throat> He kind of uh, um, ups the ante by making a wager with his drug dealer, okay? And if the trip if the trip takes under 15 hours, Kowalski's latest amphetamine purchase is going to be free. <laughs> <laughs> but Kowalski's recklessness on the road results in a very, very much publicized police chase. So Cleavon Little plays the radio jock named Super Soul. So he's listening to Cleavon Little's show as he's driving, right? And um, so, and in turn, Super Soul is kind of covering the pursuit, what's going on with the police chase, right? Because he's watching it on the TV as he's doing his radio show. 
And um, Kowalski just refuses to pull over. And uh, again, I'm, I'm not going to tell you uh, what happens, but I'm also not going to tell you what the title means either, because if I told you what the title meant, it might give it away. But the title, Vanishing Point, has a very, very clear message in this movie as to what that means. Hmm. I just can't say. I yeah, I've seen it maybe once or twice, but I I'd have to watch it again. You'd have to watch it again, and and believe me, it's very much uh, worth watching. Um, um, Richard Serafian um, directed the film. Um, it's it just an amazing, again, just this amazing um, movie. Uh, a lot of people thought it was um, based on a true story, and it actually kind of was. It was actually based on two different events in real life. So there was a disgraced uh, San Diego police officer um, was into drugs and all kinds of things, and and he was in, in a high pursuit of a man who refused to stop. Um, they're they're chasing you know him, and or the I'm sorry the police officer is chasing the suspect and the suspect doesn't stop, and uh, so that that's one of the events, and um, and then the other one again is about this this cop who was disgraced. So two different events were the basis of Vanishing Point. And, uh, again, don't want to give it away, but it's definitely worth checking out on video or, or uh, streaming or whatever. Whatever you watch movies on now. And uh, so, yeah, Vanishing Point, that, that's, uh, that's my number six. So I should pause for a minute, Jim, before we go into my next uh, movies. What's your fav- one of your favorite car films? Let's, let's, let's hear it from you. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and it just started, like I say, it just started mushrooming. The more I thought about it, I'm going, oh, can't, can't leave this out. I mean, all the way back to growing up as a kid and watching Keystone Cops movies. Yeah. I mean, so much fun. Yeah. Um, you know, Smokey and the Bandit, I oh, thought yeah. that was okay. I thought Hooper was a much better movie. Yeah, Hooper. Yep. Yeah, with uh, Jan Michael Vincent. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all the Bond movies, I mean, they've all got something related to right spectacular, yeah, spect- and spectacular tricks. Yep. Um, uh, let's see, Flubber, if you want to go back to my childhood. <laughs> Flubber. Flying around in a yep. Model T. The Model T, the flying Model T. Freebie and the Bean. Yeah. A- Alan Arkin? Alan Arkin yeah. and James Caan. And James Caan, yes. Yeah, there were a bunch of cars wrecked in that movie. Oh my gosh! Yes, um, and even back to uh, growing up as a kid, going through Driver's Ed, the Driver's Ed films they used to show you. Oh my gosh! I mean, those should have been rated X. Those things were so gory. Oh, and yeah. they were real. Yeah, a lot of. I mean, they show you real photos and real accident victims. If that didn't scare the hell out of you driving in a car, yeah, that's that's like the equivalent of a snuff film. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. They probably they probably don't even show those anymore. They no, probably no. they're you know. They're so even though they served a purpose, they're very politically incorrect and very graphic. And I, I can't imagine in our current climate yeah. that, that they would allow those films. But they should be shown because it does scare the hell out of kids, you know, who think they're going to get behind a wheel and you know go do 120 down the highway and right. shows you what can happen. You know, it's funny you mentioned Jan Michael Vincent. That just triggered another movie. Do you remember the mechanic with Charles Bronson? Oh yeah, that's another. That, you can consider that a car film, right? Because right. he's a killer and uh, or a hitman, right? Yeah. I think he's a hitman, and uh, that was also remade not as well, of course. Hmm. In fact, the remake really copped out because the original ending was brilliant in uh, in the original mechanic, 
again, not going to give it away. But they chickened out when they did the remake. And, um, you know, Hollywood today doesn't want their major, they don't want any of their major stars killed off. And because <clears throat> you always want to bring them back for a sequel, right? right. <laughs> well, they, you know, without giving any much away, is, is there are some main characters in the mechanic that get killed. And the ending of that movie is so fantastic. And uh, so definitely watch the mechanic with uh, Charles Bronson and Jan Michael Vincent for sure. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, William Friedkin is involved in a lot of these movies. And for the life of me, I can't find my info about other. Friedkin, who did The Exorcist? Did he, did he do The Exorcist? Um, I think he did. Got me, but he did some other car movies, and I can't remember what they are right now. But he also did uh, To Live and Die in L.A. Oh, yeah. And that's got a great chase scene. Oh, my gosh, yes. Not, again, not really a car movie, but fantastic, fantastic chase scene. Yes. Uh, I kind of forgot about that movie, To Live and Die in L.A. Oh, my gosh, yeah, that was awesome. A uh, more recent one, Ford versus Ferrari. Yes, great film. Yeah, and uh, uh, I mean, it was great. One of the opening scenes, you got a, the lineup of the, they're producing the 62 Ford Falcon there yep. on the assembly line. Yep. And out comes Henry Ford II and says, <laughs> we got to start winning some races. We got to win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, great flick. But one slight gaffe in that movie that I noticed. What's that? Um, they're in the pits. Shelby's in the pits right next to the Ferrari pits, and he takes a lug nut and throws it into the pits. So it's supposed to freak out their pit crew like, oh, we left off oh. the lug nut. No. They all had knockoffs even back in those days. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, there were no nuts, not, not yeah. like NASCAR used to be. You know. <laughs> uh, but that That's was, interesting. <laughs> that, that, was a, that was a fun movie, and it's so sad about, you know, um uh Bale. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah. Who, who yeah. Um He's the one that actually run the race, even though he didn't win it. Right. Because Ford told him to hold off and let hold the other guys catch up. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what a great movie. That was like five years ago that came out, I think. Is that when that was? Maybe longer. I don't know. The way time flies, it maybe it was longer, but uh uh boy yeah, what what a great flick. Oh my gosh, yeah. Very, very good film. Um and going back a little ways, it's a mad, 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 mad world. <laughs> yeah. That's a fun one. Oh, my gosh. Again, not really a car movie, but the whole whole movie is a car chase, you know? Yes. And all the different types of cars they had that were chasing along. Oh, my gosh, yes. What a great flick. Do you know that there's a, somewhere, uh, there's a four and a half hour version of that movie. Of it's a mad, 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 mad world. Wow! That was cut, but never released. And the um, one of the producers who's still living has indicated that they may um, try to put together like an anniversary showing of that oh. cut. And because you know the original, the the theatrical release was long enough, yeah. right? It was yeah. probably three. It had an intermission. It did. Yeah. Three, maybe three hours, a little over yeah, three hours. something like that. So there is a four-and-a-half-hour version of that film. Huh. <laughs> uh, evidently, the same thing with the Elvis movie oh. that just came out this summer. There's um, um, the director of that film, uh, Baz Luhrmann, said that 
there is about a four and a half hour version, and they had the entire like two of the entire concerts that Elvis did. They recreated like shot by shot, but in the theatrical film they only showed you know part of it. Yeah. But in this uncut one, you get to see like the full two hours of one concert and hour of the other one. I mean, it's, so is this actual Elvis or the actor? That no, plays? the actor that plays him. Oh, the the actor that plays him. And they they literally they 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 like in one of the concerts, they found out where all the cameras were positioned when they filmed it back in the Elvis. You know, when Elvis was alive, and they recreated that with the new cameras. Every single shot, every single scene, exactly. It's. I mean, it's mind-boggling, man, what they can do with this stuff. Wow. That, but that's the. That's what he wanted. He was gonna. You know, he wanted to have this thing from the first frame to the last of this concert. Well, Warner Brothers, the studio said, Nah, you can't do that, man. Three hours is gonna be long enough. You can't do a four and a half hour version. These directors sometimes go crazy, you know. Yeah. But he's he's hinting that there may be somewhere down the road, you know, you'll be able to see that again. So. So back to my list. I want to talk about this next film, which um, I think is a fantastic movie. It's called Baby Driver. Yeah, and I haven't seen that one. I just read something online about that, but I haven't seen it. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic movie. Um, Baby Driver is is also known, not only is it a great story, but it's Edgar Wright, the director, wanted the soundtrack. He wanted the music in the movie, all the songs in the movie. To correlate, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, almost like a choreography with the action going on, and so the, of course the soundtrack is fantastic. It's got a lot of you know '60s and '70s songs on it and stuff. But Baby Driver was interesting because it's about this young getaway driver. They call him Baby Driver because he's very young, looks like a you know a teenager, uh, and he's coerced into working for this crime boss. And I I, th- I believe the crime boss was played by Kevin Spacey, I think, in the movie. And um, so anyway, he finds himself, this young getaway driver, ends up take uh, taking part in this heist that is literally doomed to fail, like he's being set up. And he knows he's going to get killed. I mean, so he ends up kind of turning the tables on things. And, um, again, I, I, I just don't want to go into too much of the plot because if you haven't seen the film, I don't want to give anything away. But you really need to check out Baby Driver, not just for this great action flick. It's kind of a strange title, but um, not only for the action. It came out in two, 2017. And, uh, but just a, uh, the action and the, uh, the um, music, the music in the film, just absolutely phenomenal. And you, did you ever see it? No. Yeah, it's it's. I remember seeing that one uh, when it came out in theaters, and um, Ansel, uh, what's his name? Ansel Egort plays uh, the baby driver. Um, John Hamm's in it, um, hmm. and uh, yeah, a, a, a good cast, great great story, and um, baby, he's he's kind of like partially hearing impaired. And they kind of work that into the plot as well, his his hearing impairment. Um, and so how because of his hearing being kind of goofed up, he can do any car move in motion as long as the right song is playing at the time. <laughs> so that's kind of how they mirror the soundtrack with what's going on in the movie. And um, so, again... 
it, these movies sometimes are so hard to describe without giving stuff away, and I don't want to do that because I'm, I'm not a spoiler, so I'm not going to do that. But I will say, if you have not seen Baby Driver, that's another one you're going to want to check out. Uh, again, um, not a car movie per se, although a lot of it takes place in cars, as you know, as he's a getaway driver, and uh, but very very good film. So my next up is uh, my my. You mentioned Flubber earlier, but this was my one Disney film that I have on here, and it's the film Cars. So the Pixar wow. film Cars, which came out in 2006, an animated film, and it starred uh, the voices, I should say, of Owen Wilson and Paul Newman, Bonnie Hunt, uh, Larry the Cable Guy. And um, so the movie Cars, you know, a lot, a lot of adults I talked to said, well, I never saw that movie because I don't have any kids. Well, you do not need to have kids to enjoy this movie because the, the story of Cars rivals any live-action film you'll ever see. That's how good it is. And, you know, the, this hot... Sh- but, but, you know, the Cars are the characters, right? So this hot-shot rookie race car, which is played by Wilson, he's, he's really cocky and, he's, you know, he's on his way to the biggest race of his life, right? But what happens is, is he gets stranded in this run-down old town along Route 66. And, of course, he's very upset because, you know, he's, he wanted to win this race. But then he meets these characters, and he starts to learn that life isn't just about winning everything. You know, it ends up being about relationships and the people you meet and the people that you can help and that can help you. And I'm telling you what, a fantastic movie fantastic if you haven't seen the movie cars now there were a couple sequels that came out i think there were there was cars 2 cars 3 hell there might have been a cars 4 they got worse as they went along yeah uh the stories were horrible in 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 the especially cars 3 was just unbearable to watch <laughs> it was all cgi and no heart no story whereas that first one just you know animated films have to have just like a live action film they got to have heart they got to have a good story they got to have characters you can identify with, and man, Cars fits the bill. I mean, it's absolutely and, and the soundtrack to that one is also a, a great flick. So next up, uh, number nine on my list is uh, uh, I think my only TV movie on this list. And people don't realize this movie was so good, they forget that this was a TV movie that came out, and it's called Duel. And uh, it was directed by a young hotshot named Steven Spielberg back in 1971. Matter of fact, this might have been, this might have been, well, it definitely was one of his first films. I don't think it was his first film, but it was one of his first films. He was very young. And what's great about Duel is you've got this, Dennis Weaver is the actor, and he plays this uh, business commuter. And there's, he's driving along. And I can't remember what if, if, if he does something to piss somebody off or whatever. But all of a sudden, he starts to be pursued and literally terrorized by this um, driver of a massive tractor trailer. You never even see who is driving the tractor trailer right. because that doesn't make it. The villain in this piece was the vehicle, not the guy driving it. Yeah. And again... TV, you know, TV movies of the week were not known to be really, really great films. I mean, some were like Brian Song was a great TV movie, right? Could have been a theatrical film. This was a this was a TV film, ABC Movie of the Week, 
showed this yes. in 71. And I saw it. You saw it. And you realize how good this thing, I mean, this movie was so great. And again, a lot of that has to do with, I mean, Weaver, Dennis Weaver did a great job. But the direction of the film, you know, directing this piece was amazing. When I thought, when I saw it as a kid, of course, I wasn't, I didn't even have a driver's license, let alone a car at that point. But I remember thinking, yes, it's suspenseful. This is a good movie. Oh, yeah. But I could get out of this, you know, he he would never be able to catch me, catch (laughs) up to me, even if I did have a a Plymouth Valiant with a slant six in it. I can still get away from a truck that's going to have to lumber up those yeah, hills. Yeah, and you'd think that, but then when you watch it as an adult, they do a very good job of... of um, well, he makes some mistakes in his he driving. Does. He does. He makes a lot of mistakes in his driving, which doesn't help. And again, <laughs> don't want to give it away on what happens, but it, 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 the fact that this was a TV movie that over the years has gained such a huge following... And, you know, people swear up and down, oh, yeah, I saw that in the movie theater when it came out. No, you didn't. You saw it on TV. You saw it on ABC like everybody else did. It was never released theatrically. It did come out, I believe, on video eventually in DVD, but never played theaters, just just the small TV screens at home in 1971. And Spielberg just, uh, again, he just proved what a great director uh, he is, was, is. He's got a new movie out, by the way, called Meet the Fablemans. It's based based on his life story yeah. coming out at Thanksgiving, which looks fantastic. <clears throat> but yeah, so check out Duel um, with Dennis Weaver and a massive trailer tractor killer that's going after him. Yeah, they didn't have to pay much for uh, for their uh, characters. No, I mean, and I, I don't actors in there. I'm not even sure if there was. Weaver might have been the only actor. I, I mean, it's been a long... I mean, I was 11 years old when I saw this. He stops at a restaurant or something or a gas station at one point. Okay. But yeah, other than that... Other than it's that, it's a... Flat open... It's like a one-man show. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic movie. It's called Duel. So check that out. Finally, um, I think any, any, any list has to have this movie on because it's like the definitive, I think, car chase movie of all time, and it's called Bullet. Yeah. Um, with the amazing Steve McQueen, uh, directed by Peter Yates. Um, McQueen plays this, you know, all guts, no glory San Francisco cop. And um, he was guarding this uh, witness in a, in a protection program. And the, the, the witness gets killed by this, you know, underworld kingpin. So, so <clears throat> McQueen's character takes it upon himself to find this guy that did this and this has some of the most, even to this day, some of the most amazing car scenes, yeah. uh, chases. Um, do you remember what kind of car he drove? Oh, yeah, 68, 68 uh, uh, Galaxy. Was or it a Galaxy? Galaxy? No, it was a Mustang. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, he, he drove a Mustang in that? I couldn't remember. Yeah. Okay, it was yeah. a Mustang. The uh, One of the ones used in filming just sold, uh, I think it was last year, for like, I don't know, it was over a million dollars. Oh, my gosh. gosh. No kidding. Yeah, it had been hidden away for decades, and they didn't do anything to it. It was It was one of the backup cars. And they, they didn't restore it. They just left it as is and oh my gosh. Ended up selling it off. No kidding. Yeah. Well, uh, he also made another film Steve McQueen did called Le Mans. Yeah. Uh, around, around that same time. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously he was in, into cars and he was into motorcycles. And, and uh, matter of fact, he made the movie The Great Escape, um, 
he would only do that film if, A, they paid him a buttload of money, which they did, and, B, he wanted to have his motorcycle in the movie. Oh. <laughs> and, and, and they have this extended, him driving this motorcycle in the movie for, like, literally no apparent reason whatsoever other than that was part of his contract. Right. He, he's, he's, <laughs> he was, like, the biggest star, you know, in the 70s. Steve McQueen was the biggest action star. He was the Brad Pitt, man. Yeah. I mean, he really was. And, and, and um, matter of fact, I just did a box officer segment on the movie The Bodyguard with um, Kevin Costner Whitney and Houston. Whitney. And that movie was written for Steve McQueen. Oh. Steve McQueen was supposed to play the Costner role. And um, the Whitney Houston role was written for Diana Ross. Oh. And uh, what happened was is the movie gets in development in the 70s, late 70s, and Steve McQueen got sick. He developed cancer and then ultimately passed away from it. So um, by the time the movie was ready to be made, he was dead, and they needed another actor. And by that time, Kevin Costner had starred in two or three really huge movies, and um, he was all of a sudden a big bankable star. Diana Ross dropped out, I think, to do Lady Sings the Blues, a movie that she, I think, won an Oscar for, I think, didn't she? And so all of a sudden she was out, and then Costner needed a co-star, and Whitney Houston was, you know, big at the time, and and that's how that happened. So they they made a movie. So yeah, Steve McQueen, the movie Bullet, still the 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 one of the car chase scenes to this day still gets voted one of the top five car chases in movie history. It's that good, um, and and you wouldn't think a movie that was almost sixty years old could, you know, yeah. use, oh that's Hold dated, up. you know. Yeah. But they, the way they shot this. I mean, there's a whole documentary somewhere out there about the making of the one scene that they shot in, um, in San Francisco. And uh, I mean, Peter Yates, again, the director, and just did a fantastic job. McQueen was great. So that <clears throat> that's my top ten, uh, Jim. Okay. My top ten films. And I got again, I got to mention American Graffiti because I can't believe I forgot that. So thank you, Nora, for reminding me. Um, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> that was a great film, too. Um, okay. Um, got one for you. Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. Oh, yeah. Uh, Peter Fonda. Yeah, Peter yeah. Fonda. I mean, how many Peter Fonda movies do you know? Uh, oh, well, Easy, Easy Rider, Rider and Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry. And? <laughs> <laughs> Who was the girl that was in that? Who was Crazy? Uh, uh, Crazy Mary. Dirty Mary or Crazy Mary. Dirty Larry and Crazy Mary. Was that it? Dirty Larry. Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. Oh, Dirty Mary and Crazy Larry. Who was yeah. Dirty Mary? Oh, gosh. I'll have to look her up. Ask me. Yeah. Um, it's like I can picture the actress, but I, I can't. Uh, um, anyway, I mean. That was a great flick. Yeah, it's suspenseful and, yeah, great, great driving sequences and. And then, of course, again, the ending is awesome. Yeah, yeah, we, but we don't want to give it away. No, no, no. Um, yeah. But, uh, okay, I'm looking it up right now. Dirty Mary, Crazy Larry, 1974. Um, and it was uh, Peter Fonda, of course, and uh, Susan George. Yeah, Susan George. Susan George, Peter Fonda and Susan George. Yeah, um, yeah she's gorgeous. And a uh, lot, of, lot of great character actors, Adam Rourke, Kenneth Toby, um, Lynn Borden. These were all very, very popular people back in the day, uh, character actors. And, uh, yeah, not a, not a huge budget film either. Another one of those 
kind of a lower budget film that just took off and and had a cult following at the box office and later on on video. And that orange grove that they race around in, I swear, has been used for dozens of <laughs> car chases over the yeah, years. Yeah, exactly. So, right. anyway, there's 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 my there's my list, and and um. All right, I got a few more for you. Okay. Um, the driver. Oh, the driver. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean that is so. I I just love the driving sequences in it, and uh, you know you don't. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ryan O'Neill. Ryan O'Neill. And when has he ever played an actor like, or a character like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Not very often. And it's, uh, where was it? Um, there's so little dialogue. I think the first time actually Ryan O'Neill speaks in that movie is like two minutes and 30 seconds into, oh, no. O'Neill doesn't speak until 15 minutes and 35 seconds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, and it's got a good plot and... What he does to that uh, Mercedes Benz four door sedan <laughs> in the parking garage. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. Well, and also uh, the movie co starred Bruce Dern, who is an oh, amazing yeah. actor. He he was the detective who's kind of uh, yeah. um, obsessed with taking down the driver. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, that's right. Walter Hill directed that movie, which Hill's done some fantastic films and action films and dramas and, and, uh, that was, uh, what, 1978. Okay. January 1st of 78. New Year's Day, that film opened. Huh. And uh, actually adapted from a French film. Uh, there was a French movie that came out called Le Samurai, I think you pronounce it, which I, I'm assuming means The Driver. <laughs> uh, by the way, speaking of Drive, there's a movie called Drive. Did you see that with Ryan that's, Gosling? Yeah, and that's a very, I guess it's... Uh, not based on, but similar, similar, yeah, yeah. similar to that. I and haven't seen it though. Good film. That was another one. My daughter wanted to know if I had the movie Drive on uh, my list, and I said no. I could only do ten, you know. <laughs> and uh, but Drive was also a fantastic film. Ryan Gosling was in it, um, and uh, yeah, similar plot in a way. And the other one we can't leave out. Let's see if I've got all my other ones on here. Uh, oh, used cars! <laughs> used cars. There's another film that features the Edsel. Yes, Kurt Russell. Yep, Kurt Russell and Jack uh, Warner. No, not Jack Warner. No, Jack Warden. Warden. Jack I'm Warden. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Was that what it is? Jack Warden. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> used cars. Oh my gosh, that's funny. That was a good film. Yeah, that was funny movie. Yeah, and finally, the Blues Brothers. <laughs> The Blues Brothers. I'll talk to Bob. <laughs> that movie. They wrecked so many cars. I think. Yeah. It, I mean. It held a record up until the sequel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> there was a couple others. They, and they were mostly police cars, I think, they yeah. wrecked at that end. They're like 200 yeah. some police. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Blues Brothers. That was a great flick. You got to fix the cigarette lighter. <laughs> <laughs> You and the Penguin is the only family we got. <laughs> and Cab Calloway Yo, singing yeah. Minnie the Moocher. Minnie the, the Moocher. Yeah, a lot of good music in there, too. Oh, yeah. I mean, oh, man. Great, great stuff. Great yeah. stuff. Yeah. Well, I think we uh, got wrapped up. and, and I Covered should, some ground here, Jim. I should, I should point out Pat is also a screenwriter. Um, he 
uh, wrote the screenplay for a movie called The Call, mm-hmm. which uh, he had been working on for 20-some years. 20 years, yeah. Wrote, the, wrote it 20 years, uh, well, almost 20 years, uh, and then uh, sold, uh, sold the script in 2019. And yeah, then, and then by the time it was released, uh, guess what? Perfect timing. Here's COVID. Yeah, and you know what's interesting is I, I just had the other day I was talking to someone about that. They're like, God, were you upset that the movie was released during COVID? And I really wasn't. And the reason I wasn't is, you know, when, when, when they made the film um, and they shot the film in, in January and February in, in Los Angeles of, of 2020. And so they got the film in the can right before COVID hit, you know, like in March or whatever. So the studio was going to release the film in July of 2020, but then because of COVID, the studios all shut down. So the director and the composer and the cinematographer, yeah, the theaters were shut down for a couple months, but everybody was kind of working from home to finish the movie, right? And so because of that, the film was delayed and came out on uh, October 2nd of 2020. Now, by that time... Um, you know, obviously COVID was still hot and heavy, but the theaters had reopened. Reopened, yeah. And they wanted product because yeah. a lot of the studios pushed all their big films into 2021. Hell, Top Gun Maverick got pushed, I think, four times total. Hmm. was going to open in 2019, then 20, then 21, and then finally 20. So because of so many theaters wanting product, the distributor of my film, was booking theaters and drive-ins left and right, like 350 theaters and drive-ins all over the country. And those, who knows if, if it weren't for COVID, right. who knows if those would have even gotten those theatrical yeah. screens. And then perfect timing for Halloween. Exactly. It's a perfect Halloween movie. I was really happy about that because when, when the director told me that the film was going to open in July, I'm like, what the hell, man? What horror film comes out in summertime? That didn't make any sense to me. <laughs> horror films need to be October. For Halloween. So I wasn't happy that COVID came around, but I was happy that the film got delayed. <clears throat> and it was perfect timing, and it came out, and it, it and then it came out on DVD and Blu-ray a month after that, or a couple months after that. And uh, all total, it played in 10 different countries. Oh, yeah. 10 different yeah. countries. So, it, it again, because, you know, theaters were opening up, and, and they wanted product. And so, in a sense... It was it was a good thing, you know. Um, the only good thing about COVID I can think of <laughs> uh, was that the film got more it, it, more theaters than it probably would have. This film was my film was originally going to open against Wonder Woman 1984. Oh, and that would have I mean Wonder Woman 84 would have had every screen in every theater. Right. We wouldn't have had crap yeah. for this thing, you know. Yeah. <clears throat> and so we were just very very lucky that that the you know the film the director did a very good job on the film. Um, and uh, you know, came out well. They are. He just called me. In fact, he called me on Halloween and said, "Looks like they're going to greenlight a sequel, but nothing's official yet." You know, so I'm not going to start writing anything yet until he says, "Okay, it's official." And oh. um, so, yeah, my next film is a kids' horror film called Ghost in the Graveyard that I'm finishing now. And uh, so, the director and producer of that film did the original Chucky movies, the Child's Play film. Oh. And, um, yeah, so a really good uh, right. creative team there. So, yeah, we'll see what happens. Oh, but no cars in it yet, Jim. Maybe I can put your Edsel in that car. <laughs> <laughs> Does your Edsel want to make an appearance? Uh, sure. It's, <laughs> it's just about in the graveyard the way it is. <laughs> 
Is it running? No, not yet. Well, my Pontiac's not either, so there you go. Okay. I'm, I'm bummed, I'll man. I'm bummed. I can't find anybody to fix a four-cylinder car. Nobody, I have talked to eight zillion mechanics. Really? Nobody can fix a four-cylinder engine or find parts for it. Maybe that's a problem. Oh, okay. Uh, I've got a couple of suggestions I'll talk with you All right. off, off camera. I want it fixed. Off camera, off mic. Off mic. Yeah. I'd like to get it fixed, but hey, you know. Um, well, I guess that's going to wrap it up here. Um, <coughs> Pat, thanks for, uh, so much for helping out. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. Yeah. Okay, and uh, hope you can join us next time. This has been Lonesome Roads behind the wheel and behind the microphone here at the Todd Studer Studios on uh, South 4th Street in Council Bluffs. Thanks for listening.